This is WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7, your community radio station. Also streaming live online at WVEW.org. This is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. Streaming at noon on Sundays. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. A reminder that the views and opinions expressed on this show are that of the guests and hosts and not of the radio station. Hi, I'm Josh. Welcome to Indigo Radio. Our show today is going to focus on an interview I did uh, recently with Tub, the Tenants Union of Brattleboro, and the current housing status in Brattleboro, and also some of the initiatives that uh, Tub is working on. But first, let's get started with a quick song. So I'm joined here with Pat and Bliss, two members of the Brattleboro's Tenant Union. Sorry, the Tenant Union of Brattleboro, actually, right? Yeah. Yeah. We went for the acronym. (laughs) Nice. So they're here with me today to talk a little bit about housing in Brattleboro, the current state of it, some of the numbers and figures, just so that way folks uh, listening can get a better understanding of what's really happening here in Brattleboro. And then also to talk about their proposal to the Brattleboro Select Board. I won't spill the beans on that yet. I'll let them get into the details on it. But uh, Pat Bliss, thank you for coming on. How are you doing? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, thanks for having us, Josh. Yeah, Yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, I guess I'd start out just by telling, uh, you know, listeners a little bit about um, the Tennis Union of Brattleboro and just who we are and how we started and everything. So uh, we are the Tennis Union of Brattleboro. Um, we go, often go by tub for short. And we're basically just like a member run democratic collective kind of focused on organizing the tenant class throughout Brattleboro and outlying towns in the area. And we're really interested in just providing like education, direct action, coalition building, ordinance proposing, um, and just generally working to dismantle the kind of current tenant landlord paradigm. And, you know, re-evaluate the power dynamic and put power kind of back into the hands of the tenants where we can. We're kind of organized around just a general belief that change is best and most effectively enacted through the people who need it most. And, you know, we're uh, fighting for housing as a human right. And if you want more info about us, you can always check us out on our website, brattleborotenants.org. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Tenants Unit of Brattleboro. Yeah, if you're interested, you should definitely take a peek at those. <laughs> well, thank you guys for doing that work. I mean, especially now with COVID, we need to be thinking about 
our most vulnerable populations and and also our housing too. Um, and I know that that's something that you're all are really dedicated to. So thank you for that. So I'm wondering, um, what does housing look like in Brattleboro right now? What's the current state of it? And sort of what are some challenges that the tenants are facing right now? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, it's it's hard to get a grasp on. We, we, we've been doing like a lot of research basically all through the summer. And as we've been doing going through this proposal process um, and it's, uh, it's not uh, a great picture <laughs> that's being painted for us. So, so I think like we have to look at how things were uh, before the pandemic even hit. And so here's, we have a digger article here from November 29th of 2019. Um, and it's talking about how the overall um, houseless population was decreasing in Vermont. Um, but underneath that uh, fact, basically like an overwhelming amount of the shelters were full and there like there wasn't space for people. Um, and at the same time, um, the statistics for people who were chronically unsheltered uh, were, were doubling in some cases. Um, so though things weren't great, <laughs> you know. Even pre-pandemic. Yeah. And, um, you know, we really did form as a response to the pandemic, just when it became clear pretty early on that <laughs> housing concerns were gonna be uh, pretty integral to this whole um, whole pandemic situation we've got going on here. Um, so Tub is relatively new. We, uh, we only really formed in uh, like early April of this year, 2020. But although we were initially like pretty concerned with how evictions were gonna go down um, with regard to COVID, we're absolutely aware of, and I think really? like to emphasize that these are issues that have been ongoing for a long time they're not new issues yeah. like they're there just was, yeah. being made worse <laughs> um, but they're definitely not new <laughs> we we like we had a, a housing crisis and frankly like we had a a public health crisis with i would say with you know the uh the opioid uh crisis and thing and other many other things and, but basically with covid on top of all that this this new crisis uh a recent study uh said that there could be ten thousand evictions looming in Vermont when the eviction moratorium comes to an end. And the governor has uh, said that he will renew the statewide eviction moratorium, which is great. But basically a lot of these COVID relief programs are dependent on uh, the federal level to decide on anything. And they could just dry up in December and then things are going to get a lot worse. And uh, basically there's like, there's no infrastructure to forgive all of like the back paid rent that's being accrued right now. Uh, because there's no cancellation of rent. It's just like postponing the inevitable. Um, there are also a lot of loopholes uh, with the eviction moratorium. Um, it just, it can't be based on non-payment of rent, but you can come up with a lot of other reasons <laughs> uh, to evict people, it turns out. And not all of them are legal either. But uh, yeah, so basically we we want to like fix the rental housing market and, and everyone in Brattleboro, we have 60% uh, renters here. And the housing market is extremely tight, as everyone knows. It's very hard to find rentals, and it's really expensive. Um, so yeah, uh, we yeah. have this crisis, and and when people lose their homes, the access to new housing is really hard. Yeah, and I mean, on that note, like you said, like sixty percent of uh, people in Brattleboro are renters. That's you know, <laughs> the majority, as they would say, and um, at least fifty percent of that sixty percent of Brattleboro 
is considered rent burdened, which means that um, at least 30% of uh, your income as a person um, is going to your housing costs. Um, and even, I think, I forget the exact percentage, half of that, but half of, half of what? 50. Sorry, percentages are not my <laughs> forte, but half of that 50%. So 25% of renters in Brattleboro um, are actually uh, severely cost burdened, which means that 50% of their um, or more or more <laughs> at least 50% of their uh, uh, income is going to housing costs. So 60% of the renters, sorry, 60% of the households in Brattleboro are rented out. Right. What's yeah. the number? I mean, like, what's the landscape then or the makeup of the landlords? of that 60% because that's a large number of this community, this town's housing, Brattleboro's town's housing um, that's rented out. Who, who are the people that, that have that, that those properties? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so one thing that we're working on on our website is uh, just gathering data about exactly that question. Like who, who are the landlords in our town? And I think, um, the, I mean, there's a, we have a list, I think of like the top 10, um, we're, we're working to kind of like figure out exactly who, who's who here. But then also I think a really significant thing that we really want to do is help tenants find one another, because I think it's not always clear, like who, who else has your landlord? You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that there are a lot of people who have the same landlord who are having the same issues or who are having the same, um, troubles as renters. And they could have community and support and like neighborly mutual aid, but it, access to those individuals is kind of um, mysterious because they literally don't know the other people who um, are being, uh, who are also renting from their landlords. Patrick, do you have information about the top like 10 landlords? Please give that. Yeah. Surprisingly few uh, individual owners really own like the majority of the rentals. Um, what was the I, A landlord search tool on our website, mm -hmm. um, which you can find if you go to brattleborotenants.org um, and then you go under our resources tab. Um, there's a handy dandy little tool there called the landlord search tool. And you're actually able to put in your landlord or put in your, sorry, pardon me, put in your address and it will give you information about that rental. So like say, um, I'm just gonna click on, a, click on one here. Um, this, uh, this rental on Orchard Street has, uh, it shows the owner, um, the assessment on the property, the, land, the value of the land, um, and also when it was sold, and how much it was uh, bought for. So then you can kind of start to paint this picture of like, okay, how much is my landlord actually making off of me as a tenant? Like how much of my money is going into their pocket, not back into the house that I'm actually living in. Um, and it paints, I mean, I think that once you start having that kind of information, you really start to kind of understand the kind of difference between <laughs> what what uh, maybe we think of housing as and what landlords think of housing as because it for me housing is a human right it's something that I need it's a necessity but clearly 
if you start looking at like the profit and like the way that property value goes up, you kind of start to see that housing is a business of this equation here um, and is something to be continuously made continuously more expensive in order to garner profit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a renter myself in Brattleboro and it's difficult to find locations and I have some financial mobility, but uh, I know for others, it's not the case. And so we're kind of really faced with something that's really a challenging question here. I'm wondering uh, sort of what are the things, I mean, I know that Tub is, is working on organizing tenants and working on issues. Um, what, what's some of the things that Tub is actively working on right now um, to help address this this concern about rent costs in Brattleboro? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, the main thing we've been working on recently is um, our proposal to limit basically move-in costs uh, to new, uh, like when you're moving into a new apartment. Um, so this would uh, limit that to the first month's rent, which, you know, you're moving in, you're living there for one month. Um, and a security deposit equal to a month's rent. Um, and then it would actually prohibit uh, charging the last month's rent up front. Um, so yeah, do you wanna talk more about that, Blit? Yeah, I'd love to, thank you, Patrick. Um, yeah, so uh, our whole idea with this ordinance proposal, um, I mean, I think like we've been speaking about, tenants' rights issues are so huge and like so kind of overwhelmingly vast and kind of disheartening that uh, we really saw this proposal as an opportunity to um, just pick something really small that could be really helpful. Um, so basically the idea that uh, someone should have the liquid assets to be able to put down three months worth of rent up front when you move into an apartment, I think, um, at least in my opinion, as a lifelong renter, is a pretty huge ask. Um, and in general, it, it's become very apparent that um, last month's rent is the reason that it's asked for upfront is essentially as a vetting process, as a way to keep people who don't have that kind of monetary funds like in pocket from being able to access housing. Um, and it's often framed, at least when we've spoken to landlords, um, in this kind of uh, uh, language surrounding like risk assessment and like oh like they're a risky tenant and they might they might not pay that last month's rent so we should get to have it up front but the way that it's used is really as a gatekeeping tool to um kind of vet what they see as uh, um you know instable or um kind of errant tenants from um you know giving them a hard time um, but at the end of the day, it, I think it's kind of frustrating uh, to have that posed when we're talking about something as essential as housing. Um, so our ordinance is really just meant to limit um, limit those upfront move-in costs just a little bit, just just so that instead of paying three months upfront, you pay two months upfront, and that you know extra eight hundred to a thousand dollars 
in somebody's pocket could really like I would say genuinely mean life or death or at the very least um hungry or not hungry um you know what I mean like I really just feel like ten thousand or sorry that is to say a thousand dollars really goes a long way when it's the last thousand dollars that you have um yeah Dor Dory Ham recently had an article published in the Commons uh, that talked about that. I mean, you're absolutely right that having that that piece is is so impactful for people. I I wonder too, like you know, like you said, how how much easier is it for people to uh, to be able to access housing then with something like uh, limiting that you know a three months rent up front. Um, to something that's more obtainable for people and more affordable, uh, like two months. Um, what has some of the reactions been from the community that you've um, you've seen since this proposal? Yeah, um, well, uh, so many people have come out to the select board meetings and so many people have written in to us at the union and um, uh, to the select board as well. Um, and we, we just really wanna be, uh, we wanna thank everyone for their support uh, on that. and. Um, really what we heard a lot was like that this is a serious burden. It makes it really hard for people to, to find housing. Um, and, uh, this first, we also want to back up and say like that this has been passed in a lot of different places. And actually we like, we came to this because uh, we realized it would be like the easiest way to pass something would be to look at another municipality in Vermont and then be like, okay, they have the authority, like they have the, the like, um, yeah, the authority to like enact this ordinance. So uh, Brattleboro should, um, and this was a law in Burlington and also in Barrie. Um, it's been repealed in Barrie because the landlords <laughs> got together and got rid of it there. But, yeah. um, but all of New Hampshire, all of New York, uh, a couple other states have passed this. And we heard people who like live in Hinsdale or in other parts of New Hampshire and really uh, were enticed by Brattleboro and were like, oh, but I just cannot move there because because uh, of those prices and then um, we heard from many people who said that they could only afford like to move into a place because they had family or friends who could lend them the money or just give them the money um, and so for us again that comes to having family wealth and, and other types of privilege and, and this really being like screening out more vulnerable people from, from getting housing. Yeah I mean one of the, the most common things that I've heard in response to this is just most people can't pay three months rent up front. Like that is honestly the idea that and that most renters have the ability to do that is, I would say, a myth. Because um, for the most part, the kind of response that I've been seeing from people is that almost everybody has a story where they're like, yeah, like my friend paid my, my, my last month's rent or my landlord really cut me a break. Like usually he charges last month's rent, but he decided not to. Or even like, actually some really lovely stories of people being like, yeah, you know, I paid my mom's uh, security deposit so that she could move into an apartment when, you know, when she needed a new place. Like, I think that it ends up falling to neighbors and community members to support one another um, because this is an ask that really outweighs the, the capacity of the people it's being asked from. Um, and I also, but I would also say that the flip side of responses that we've gotten from the community have really been from landlords who are quite upset <laughs> um, and who have been really uh, kind of framing this as something that's being taken away from them. 
or something that they are some form of money that they're entitled to um and that there's just kind of been this dynamic of well you know like what about the risk to landlords you know how how about the riskiness <laughs> so landlords lose their house like their ability to rent housing though with this ordinance in place no. i mean Patrick, I think has a little bit more to say about that, but I'll just, before I hand things off to him, I'll, I'll just say, honestly, it's a false equivalence. Like it really is like the risk of losing a thousand dollars out of pocket is to me just so completely not the same thing as losing a roof over your head. Those are just not the same thing. You know, Josh, like really at the end of the day, like we're talking money in your pocket versus mm -hmm. being completely houseless. And I just don't feel that comparing those things is, is appropriate or humane or compassionate. And it, it's important to make that distinction. But Patrick, did you want to say something? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, well, first of all, um, yeah, I'd say the, the average uh, one bedroom in Brattleboro is $899 uh, right now. Um, from what I can find, it's probably gone up <laughs> since these statistics uh, came in. But um, a lot of people uh, at the select board meetings talked about the um, the HUD value, and um, basically what that refers to is the federal uh, like standard um, that looks at the medium area income. Um, and so you take like the standard, uh, and they consider that like the average person, but really that's a person like in the middle of the economic like spectrum. So um that's not the average person like half of people are less well off than this fictional person mm -hmm. uh, to begin with and that really that value then they look at they uh, ideally that would be 30 percent of your monthly value so uh 30 percent of the median monthly income here uh, comes to like 850. so already it's like all right well it's a little too expensive um and uh yeah so then charging like three times over is yeah, so, and, and then we know that 25% of people, right, are paying 50% of their actual income. Um, so that's 150% of your monthly income to move in. And so. I just, I don't feel that doing this is going to alter people's capacity to um, rent to individuals in Brattleboro and, or to continue buying real estate. Well, and, and specifically <laughs> because when you look at the press, uh, the press tends to be owned by people who own property. <laughs> um, let's put it that way. And uh, like in Except New York, for you, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I don't own property. I don't own property. <laughs> we <laughs> okay. Well, basically, the the situation here um, is that like since COVID uh, has happened and a lot of people are moving into the state, um, housing prices have actually gone up by twenty three percent. So if you own a house in Vermont right now, and especially if you own a you know, second house or two or three homes in Vermont, um, you're looking pretty good. And what we see like when you ask about the landlords here is it's basically like a couple of, of individuals or, or even like families, like husbands, wives, like family members will own like lots and lots of property. And then there are some property like management companies and some real estate like companies that actually um, own a lot as well. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they're like doing pretty well. And then that's actually exacerbated the whole issue because now a lot of people uh, 
are selling their homes to 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 cash in on this uh, like glut in the market, you know, and um, then so people are so renters are having their their homes sold out from underneath of them. Um, in New York City, like in the press, they were like, "This is going to destroy the real estate market. This is the end of everything." Everyone's freaking out. The law passes. Oh, you know, nothing happened. Like there's still a real estate market. The prices are still spiraling out of control. This isn't going to fix gentrification overnight. We know that. Like, um, but uh, then in New Hampshire, the same thing. You know, there's there's press there saying this is going to like this horrible. Um, and it, then yeah, so the uh, it's just like we're looking at this. Like things are getting better for property owners. Things are getting so much worse for tenants uh, with COVID. And we know that like uh, ten thousand people are behind on the rent right now. Um, and, and they're potentially going to become houseless if more protections aren't put in place. Yeah. I just, the idea that you would have to protect that, I, I just feel like it is, it is kind of absurd to suggest to me that landlords require equal to, if not more protection than tenants who receive little to no protection in well, general. Protections for landlords. I think for me, it's like, yeah, this, there's all, you, the government, town government and the government generally is, always trying to protect the landlord from any kind of risk and that's really what we saw with our proposal uh was like when you, know, you want to describe like how we proposed it and then oh yes so i think one thing that we've uh has just been kind of frustrating about this whole process is that it's just really been uh quite long and drawn out <laughs> we initially proposed or we brought this it's the first time that this proposal was heard spoken aloud at a um, select board meeting was actually September 1st. Um, yeah, and uh, we submitted it before that too. Like we submitted it two weeks in advance and then the first meeting that it was brought up was September 1st. Mm -hmm. And then uh, and it was great. It was a great meeting. We heard from like a large range of tenants. They came in, they uh, really poured their hearts out and had incredibly cogent arguments. And um, it was great. I, as I recall, in the words of uh, select board Daniel Quip at that time, he said, this proposal seems incredibly reasonable. Um, and we were really happy. And we thought, woo, like we're, we're done, we win. Um, but it ended up getting tabled because there was just, uh, I think at that time, there was still the community safety proposal stuff going on. And so then that kind of took precedence. So it didn't get brought up again until October 6th. So uh, literally a month later, we finally got back to it. Mm. And at that time, um, by, by that time, uh, landlords had kind of gotten a wind of what we were doing. And that meeting had a lot more landlord, uh, like a larger landlord presence, I, I guess I could say. Yeah. I was at that meeting um, and I remember there being a, a large presence of people, um, specifically landlords, um, along with, of course, the tenants. But yeah, yeah. that meeting for sure. And that meeting was particularly frustrating and I think kind of brought to light um, just a, a certain dynamic that seems to be playing out a lot in, in these meetings. Um, I think that there are arguments to be made for kind of <laughs> how intentional it is. Um, but I would say uh, it seems pretty clear to us that landlords were, be were being given just a little bit more time, a little bit more space, a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt um, and asked and being asked to be less persuasive. Like it was just, it just didn't seem to be 
um, equitable, I guess is the best word that I can think. Um, and just in terms of how much uh, time and space was being given to either side of the, the argument here. Um, but despite that, uh, um, it actually passed three to two. And there was a uh, vote to just go ahead and uh, go into first reading. Um, one amazing thing about being part of this uh, union is that I am uh, learning so much more than I ever, ever, ever thought I would about uh, the exact processes of select board meetings. Um, but uh, in order for a proposal to be passed, there has to be a first and a second reading. So they um, agreed to go into uh, a first reading. And then that, again, ended that portion. So then two weeks later, on October 20th, we again <laughs> brought it up. Um, and uh, at that time, it was a little funky. Um, so like Patrick mentioned before, we um, the way that we decided to do this is we took a direct quote from um, an ordinance that is already happening in Burlington, this exact ordinance. And that ordinance uh, is part of a larger section in their town code um, that has a bunch of other awesome ordinances that yeah, protect like tenants. Like the whole housing code for Burlington. Yeah. So that has a bunch of other stuff. And we did play around with the idea of bringing like a larger package, like here's a package of things that you could do to protect tenants. But we really thought like, no, you know, we're going to keep it simple. We're just going to go with this one little section, this one little thing, like limit security deposits, uh, prohibit last month's rent being asked for upfront. That's it. Boom, done. But when we came on the October 20th meeting, we noticed um, that they had actually gone in and taken um, two other clauses <laughs> on either side of the one that we had proposed, one including pet deposits, which we had kind of just not included because we personally think that they're not cool. Um, but we were like willing to have that conversation, but they included that. And then they also included a housing board of review, which uh, exists in Burlington currently. And I think it, I have no problem with the housing board of review. Um, I think it, I can kind of take it or leave it. Uh, I think the reason that they have it in Burlington is because it's a college town and they need faster court processes because students are going to haul it out of there and they're never going to see them again. And mm -hmm. so it kind of has to be like, okay, like we need to get this pushed through the courts now. And obviously, um, small claims court is notoriously uh, like a slow ship. <laughs> um, so uh, in any event, uh, they added those two things and then the housing review board became actually a pretty significant point of contention, um, which was frustrating because it was not part of our ordinance <laughs> mm -hmm. that we brought. Um, and that ended up, uh, I think, along with um, a few factors, namely uh, a not so equitable stack um, in Zoom of raised hands that ended up favoring landlords over tenants and therefore um, offering more landlord perspe perspectives than tenant perspectives. And also, uh, within that, the fact that this housing board of review would not actually be able to make uh, like monetary or financial. Uh, like. Can I ask, do we, do, do you know who added that, uh, the housing board of review to the Brattleboro proposal? Uh, we don't know in particular, we just know it was the town. Basically we had our thing, I, we submitted and then their process is they draft something themselves because they consult with the town lawyer and like with the this mirrored a lot of like i i feel what happened with the community safety proposal in terms of how they really like to draw things out for months because they know that it saps people's energy really and uh, working people <laughs> have jobs mm -hmm. and only so much stamina and 
that factor here was that, yeah, there, there were a lot on both sides of the October 6th meeting, but really tenants were in the majority. Um, the, That's just factually true. Yeah, and, and, and that showed because, you know, the vote passed which, as well. And then by the next one, I mean, we were like, great, like it's three to two, like we have three people on our side, we can't lose and we're going to the first reading. Uh, and then all of a sudden there were like so many landlords at that meeting. Yeah, long story short, the end was that Daniel Quip, who was initially had voted in favor of our proposal, kind of was swayed by the public outcry against the Housing Board of Review and backtracked uh, his vote and um, changed his mind and flipped to the other side. So then we had two in favor and three against in terms of going forward with the first reading, which had actually not yet happened. So then there was a lot of discussion of, uh, I personally think, dubious ideas including the potential creation of a loan program for tenants, which would basically <laughs> be a program that tenants could apply to um, in order to receive a loan to pay last month's deposit upfront, which has a lot of flaws. <laughs> Our main issue with the loan program is that, A, I don't really feel that debt is ever the answer to not having enough to <laughs> pay for something. Um, and in general, the way that people below the poverty line are consistently uh, coerced into debt, I think is pretty despicable, just on a general principled level. But in this case also, I think the thing that's really frustrating is that a loan program, I think, at least from my understanding, would inevitably involve interest. And in that case, you're literally raising the rent. <laughs> in, and I think that's especially frustrating for me when it is under under this kind of pretense of, oh, we're trying to make things easier for tenants, when you literally be putting them further into debt, making them jump through logistical holes um, and paperwork holes that they may not actually have the capacity to jump through. Um, for example, if they don't have a, secu a social security card or they can't find their driver's license or they don't have access to um, a bank, like those types of things, like those are all things that would make it particularly difficult for them to have um, access to a loan and then also, again, interest being added on would just make rent go up. So that would actively be harming, not benefiting uh, renters in Brattleboro. So in any event, they kind of floated this idea of a loan program and asked some researchers for the town to go out and do a little bit of poking around to see what kinds of programs exist and just kind of see how they affect towns. There's a lot of talk of quote-unquote unintended consequences. In particular, it has been mentioned that our proposal could have the unintended consequence of raising rent here because landlords are kind of having this perspective of like, well, you know, if I can't charge last month's rent up front, then I'll just raise rent generally in order to vet people and know the kind of belief that they're able to pay you know, a certain amount. But again, that interest being added on would be an unintended consequence of a loan program that I think really wasn't discussed. Um, so in any event, they had uh, those researchers go out and a couple members of TUB uh, actually met with the research group, which was great. Yeah, the uh, uh, Sue Fillion at the Planning Commission, she actually uh, uncovered that, like she did that research about uh, how many people are uh, cost burdened by their rent in this town. And um, she's been amazing this whole way. Um, but the town actually told her, and what we didn't realize with this was like, 
that the town had postponed indefinitely had just like gotten rid of our proposal and now was just looking at this loan program and had just told the like research uh, like group to look at these uh, funding programs. And to be clear, they were also looking at funding programs for landlords, I think like to make direct payments to landlords. Um, so where they weren't gonna like burden the tenants, they basically just wanted to, you know, make sure the landlords were kept whole. And, and then all of a sudden our proposal was gone. So it was like, well, now you basically are just using our, like all of our work to uh, implement this thing that will just like help landlords get money when like tenants run out of money. And also to be clear, like their issue really was like the uh, small claims court is slow. It takes months. It's annoying to get lawyers. Uh, meanwhile, tenants like can't afford any lawyers. And so, you know, who does that favor? But like, um, then also they were like, several people were like, when the tenant doesn't have any money, we can't get our money. And we were just like, <laughs> we don't know what to tell you when people are broke and poor. <laughs> They're not less broke and poor after months of yeah. legal fees. And, and the housing <laughs> review board wasn't going to fix that. And they knew that. And, and we were like, right, but we're not here about like fixing the housing review board and making landlords whole. Like we just wanted this like small <laughs> proposal to help tenants. You know? Yeah. Hey y'all, you're listening to WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7, your community radio station. This is Indigo Radio, making connections and deepening understandings. We're taking a quick break just to do some station identification, and we're going to head back into the interview with Patrick and Bliss from the Brattleboro's Tenants Union. Anyway, so uh, the end of the saga is... Uh, well, the, on the end of the ongoing saga is that uh, on November 17th, uh, which was just a few days ago, um, they came back with that research. And um, in the time between the October 20th meeting and the November 17th meeting, we uh, really tried to kind of reach out to tenants in Brattleboro and did a bit of a rallying cry. And it um, had been made clear to us that maybe the best um, kind of approach that we could take would be to send individual testimony to the members of the select board saying like, hey, I rent in Brattleboro, this ordinance would be like incredibly helpful for me. If this ordinance had been in place in the past, I may have saved myself a lot of time, trauma, energy, effort, problems, pain, et cetera. Um, and I think there was like a really huge outpouring of support, um, which was uh, just, completely so valuable and so beautiful and um, just really heartening. <laughs> so exciting to use the word heartening. I'm always saying things are disheartening. Um, but in any event, uh, I think that that um, really ended up pushing the scales. And when we came back on November 17th, uh, there was a little bit of discussion about loan programs um, and that kind of thing. And we were really ready to present a lot of research but um, Daniel Cliff actually re-reversed his vote. Um, he said he uh, thought about it and he thinks that he uh, changed his mind too quickly. And now that he's heard more from the community that he thinks that this is, as he put it at that first meeting, incredibly reasonable. And thank you to Daniel. Yeah, early in the meeting, people came up and were like, you know, asking, hey, are we going to be talking about this proposal tonight because you postponed this for, you know, a whole month and we've all been like ready and 
and we yeah like we had so, like we said like so many people were supporting this and like we were just told point blank that no that's postponed indefinitely and we're not talking about that that was by tim wessel the select board chair right yeah yeah people asked the select board are we talking about this proposal tonight because the tenants union had done a ton of work and there were so many people coming out in support and people had written in uh, yeah uh, tim wessel uh, basically said this uh, is postponed indefinitely and we're never talking about this again. We just have this like research conversation later, which is just about the loan program. And yeah, so we were like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, Daniel, Daniel was really our, um, our knight in shining armor at the last one, I have to say. But at the same time, I mean, I do feel like Patrick, you bring up a good point, which is just that I do feel that there is a game to kind of play um and it's a bit of a dance really where you're, i think in general i've noticed that in order to be heard from a more vulnerable position there's an expectation from the select board that we be overwhelmingly persuasive and have more rigorous data and extraordinarily cogent points and like perfectly timed statements. And it just felt that there was this expectation, like if you want us to do this thing for, for poor people, then you're gonna, have to, you're gonna have to really prove it to us. There's really no, no benefit of the doubt going on. I don't really feel that this is intentional. I don't think that there is an intent to cause harm <laughs> to houseless people in Brattleboro being you know, pioneered by the select board. I just think that it is important to remember that any, any legislature or systems that are put in place specifically to uphold and promote the interests of landlords, of property managers, of businesses, or just generally of profit creating sources is always going to have a tension with and a kind of detrimental effect on the poor, more vulnerable members of our community. And it's just like, it sucks, <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, if you align yourself with the landlords and the profit driven parts of our town, you are in many ways causing harm to the like more impoverished uh, members of our community. And that doesn't have to be intentional for it to be harmful. It's still harmful. That's a really great point. Thank you for bringing that up. I want to ask you both, I mean, we, you talked about it a little bit, but what are some of the ways that people in the community can get involved right now to help support TUB and this proposal? Our next meeting where they're discussing this is on uh, December 1st, because there's a special meeting. They, they, Select Board does a lot of things, and uh, we definitely respect <laughs> that, but um, anyways, our, yeah, the next meeting is on December 1st, and definitely, like we're saying, sending emails to the individual select board members and to um right just uh coming to the meetings really and talking about it and um you know we get that people have been coming out a lot and like people are getting tired and you know we, we respect that but uh, we really appreciate anyone who, who can find the time and the energy yeah i mean and if people want to get more involved with tub generally uh, i mean the simplest and single most effective thing that they can do is to become a member or ally of tub Sorry. Um, yeah, and you can totally uh, join us if you go to broadboroughtenants.org slash join dash tub. And there's a kind of form there for you to fill out if you want to get uh, join us. 
but I do feel like I should note um, that we do not accept landlords as members or allies um, uh, of TUB. And while homeowners um, can be allies, they actually can't be members either. Just and this isn't to be mean and or you know to exclusionary in any way. It's mostly just that uh, we're you know really concerned with preserving the integrity and the um, anonymity of members of TUB. And if at this point the way that our system is set up, there really isn't a way for landlords to be a part of our group that isn't kind of actively risking members, other members integrity and safety. Well, and your union of, of tenants, so. Yeah, exactly. It's not, I'm not trying to say, you know, you can't sit with us, but at, at the moment you can't, you can't sit with us. Um, so yeah, I guess that would be the best way that people could get involved for sure. Um, and in general, also if people still wanna just like learn more about the proposal, and show their support. Um, we also have that up on our website um, and there's a petition there that you can sign. We actually already have, I think over 250 signatures. So you'd be adding your name to a list in good company there. Yeah, and I just uh, also wanna say that we very much want people to get like more involved than just like coming to select board meetings and uh, giving testimonies. And <laughs> we know that gets like yeah. pretty old. And um, if you come and you get on our newsletter uh, list, um, you know, you'll hear about like all of, our, all of our meetings. Most of those are like open to new people um, and we very much encourage people to participate. Most recently we had town hall kind of event uh, where we tried to get wider participation of a broader array of tenants. We actually just put it to the group to come up with like new ideas for new campaigns. We, we obviously want to do a lot more outside of this security deposit proposal going forward. New, new campaigns and more fun campaigns involving like buttons and stickers and flyers yeah. and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's uh, room for participation at every level, we like to say, like, and any type of participation is greatly appreciated. Uh, we're pretty small <laughs> right now, um, but it's nice. I mean, people really, I think because of the format of just being like really democratically run and just the way that the group is set up. Uh, first of all, it's a group of incredibly lovely people. I can't even say how much of a supportive environment it's been, especially for me and just during the pandemic and everything. But also I think that it's just the way that it's set up, people can really kind of come in and out at their capacity to be involved. And there's really just like a lot of room for pretty much anybody who wants to be involved to be involved. Awesome. Oh, yeah, I guess I just wanted to say really briefly that we operate on a, um, a housing first priority basis, meaning, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> I think there's two kind of sides of the argument. On the one side, people are like, oh, well, you know, once you've proven to us that you're stable and capable, then you earn the right to have housing, <laughs> you know, but I uh, housing first really um, means that, you know, I think that being in a house and having a roof over your head and not having to worry about shelter is often the first step into uh, finding a more stable and um, capable lifestyle. And that I think we should be less worried about who we're putting in houses and more worried about how many people don't have houses. At the end of the day, like I just really want to insist and reiterate that housing is a human right, and that is first and foremost the most important thing that, that we have to say uh, as members of TUB. Well, that does it for today's show. I want to thank Patrick and Bliss from the Brattleboro's Tenants Union for coming on today, talking about housing here in Brattleboro and the work that they're doing here in the community as well. We're going to take it out on 
I'm not down by the clash. I hope everybody has a great week. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, y'all.